listening to Let There Be Light, a podcast where we shed light on difficult topics in the church today through history, science, theology, and our mutual love for Jesus. That's great. Welcome to this episode of Let There Be Light. Yes. (laughs) Today we're going to be talking about deconstruction. Dun, dun, dun. Five people were just like. Okay. I'm I'm never listening again. Bring bring us up to date. What 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 do you mean by deconstruction? What is that? What does that mean? What? That's a great what? question, because that I think has become a fairly popular word these days. Mm. Um, or notorious. Or notorious mm. word. Yes. Uh, many of the circles that we go in, I think, uh, deconstruction comes up a lot. Uh, but there are still many folks that I know, folks, uh, who have never heard of it. And have no idea what it means. Hmm. So, if you're coming from either side of the aisle today, hopefully this will be have a little something for everybody. Be a little instructive, a little helpful, yeah. a little challenging as mm, always. Mm-hmm. Spicy. Yeah, let's jump into what is deconstruction. The term deconstruction, I would say. So this is putting a collection of definitions into my own words. Because everybody has kind of their own way of putting it. And I covered, I scoured the Instagrams, the internets, the books. And this is the closest I could get of kind of combining all of them into one succinct-ish phrase. Ish. Ish. Indeed. Deconstruction covers the disassembling of the construction of a particular worldview. Some Christians or those who have grown up in a Christian environment, home your school, your church, your culture at large, et cetera, et cetera, uh, experience this. Uh, It may entail questioning long-held theological positions, uh, structures, systems, and may be accompanied by doubt, disillusionment, isolation, or fear. Ultimately, I would say it's probably a process of questioning and attempting to re-understand what one has previously been taught and is a term that's gained more traction in recent years, like we said earlier, particularly among Christians in the millennial and the Gen Z generations. I tend to sort deconstruction into two overall types or two different camps. Ooh, I love camps. Uh, we, we love... <laughs> I, ne- I actually never went to camp. Oh, me neither. No, I never I... attended a Christian camp. No, yeah. I feel like the closest thing I got was vacation Bible school mm. in like fourth grade. I never did BBS either. Yeah. So I didn't really know what was going on at the time. I was just, my parents just dropped me out of church. All those like, experiences yeah. that some friends who have gone to Christian camp and been like, it was so spiritual. Yeah. It's like, it was what? scary. What is that like? I was like, who the hell is Jesus? <laughs> in is At fourth grade? Yeah. That's what you grade. said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, no. I said, who the f- yeah. Oh! No, there we go. There it is. Those are the breaks. All right. Those are the breaks. <laughs> Those are the breaks. Anyway, yeah. No, BB. Like on the topic of my trauma of BB. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Not, was not a good experience for me. It was. Yeah, I just remember there was like a lot of chocolate gold coins, mm. and the guy dressed up as a pirate, and the bird oh, kept classic. pecking my shoulder, and Chuck wouldn't participate. Chuck's my brother. Hey, Chuck. Hey, and shout it, out. It was just like, it was traumatic. This episode has not been sponsored by ba- by Vacation Bible School. <laughs> no, Vacation Bible School just bottom line, just really. However, crazy. if you want to use Let There Be Light as inspiration for a theme for your Vacation Bible School, please feel free. Yeah, there'll be a lot of rainbows and light bulbs. Deconstruction. A lot of de- oh, yeah, back to the topic. Back to deconstruction. deconstruction. Okay. 
This is going to be an interesting one, folks. Let's do this. Um, so ultimately, deconstruction is more of a process or a journey. I think that's, uh, I think that's the common thread that I've seen in many people's testimonies um, or ex- description of their experiences with deconstruction. And I think it will lead to two destinations overall. So big generalization here because everybody's process is unique and sure. kind of le- leads yeah. to a different end. Uh, but first one. Uh, this one, this type of deconstruction might end with leaving the faith or determining that they never aligned with it or Christianity in the first place. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, a well-known example of this might be our friend Joshua Harris. Oh, I knew you were going to bring up Josh. He is a very... Hair. I think his process with deconstruction, his experience with it... It was very, like, visceral. It was. And also because he was so well-known, I think it really catapulted deconstruction into more of the limelight, so more of the church became aware of what it was. Yeah, because, like, he was a darling of like evangelical sub like subculture. Yeah. Like a courtship, like kiss dating goodbye. Yes. You know, like he was a staple. And when he was like deuces, people I think it really rocked a lot of people's worlds. It did. For those who don't know Joshua Harris, he is, as Marlene said, the author of the Christian cult classic I kissed dating goodbye. <laughs> oh, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and this book in large part inspired or catapulted uh, a Christian subculture called purity culture, which mm-hmm. is what it's known as today. And that is now known pretty widely across the churches in America as being an extremely harmful culture. It still exists and clings on in many ways. I think we're still all dealing with the uh, after effects of that. Um, to his credit, he did go back and say, you know, I recant everything that I said in I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Like, that was a mistake. Um, but his process of deconstruction and questioning everything led to him uh, separating himself from the faith. Mm-hmm. So that is one way it can go. Uh, the second overall way it can go, with lots of su- variation in there, um, is move is the person eventually moves to reconstructing. Um, And reconstructing, I'd say, is uh, the process of taking the puzzle apart and attempting to put it back together again, but differently than it was before. Mm -hmm. So I would say that you, both you and I probably have walked or are walking down this path of deconstruction to reconstruction. Yeah, we both definitely fall into this category more than the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I clarify these two, not to say that one is um, worse or better than the others. Um, I think there's a misconception that all deconstruction leads to leaving the faith, which is not true. Or it leads to the wrong faith. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of, in I feel like, in the evangelical church that I grew up in, deconstruction is as bad of a word as the word feminist. Yeah. And so they think, yeah. like, if you're deconstructing, but you're still a Christian, now you're the wrong kind of Christian. Right. Now you're just you're still going to hell basically yeah yeah yeah. and so i think Mm -hmm. it's important to clarify that there can be a lot of variation with there you could fall along when you're reconstructing you could end up with something that doesn't look at all like orthodox traditionally orthodox christianity or you could just end up basically maybe taking back almost everything with maybe a just a couple changes there's been a couple ways that deconstruction other than the joshua harris thing has shown up in uh, social media and wider Christian culture that people that might ring a bell for people. One is the hashtag church Two movement that came up with the hashtag me Too movement a few years ago. Um, and one is the ex evangelical 
movement and word that came up a few that started gaining more popularity as well. Exvangelical. Exvangelical. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think I mispronounced that. But no, 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 you're good. Yep. So if you've heard either of those terms and you don't know what they're connected to, they're all kind of under the umbrella of deconstruction. So I thought if we're going to talk about deconstruction, it would be helpful if both of us kind of talked about as briefly as we like or as long as we like about our experiences with it. This reminds me of interview questions where it's yeah. like, tell me your strengths and weaknesses, but give me a specific example. <laughs> like, yes, this is, this will determine, this will determine our careers. Will let there be like. Yeah, whether or not we continue this podcast. <laughs> Even you know? though. Like, there will be a poll. And if you guys we'll really fire ourselves. We'll fire we'll hire somebody else to take our place <laughs> <laughs> i know a few people it's just a bunch of like a couple of random guys and everyone's like yeah like a dude i know a dude in uh, i knew a dude in oregon and another in chicago who would oh per- be really great in our spots <laughs> wonderful be on the i'm gonna be self-controlled go sarah go. okay so my experience with deconstruction um basically how it started is and i if you listen to last season you basically know the story grew up in a very small kind of niche sort of church everything was grand until my uh a person in my family started struggling with mental illness we were not supported by church leadership most folks in the church at the time did not know what mental illness was didn't have any resources for us um and we're still kind of thinking that mental illness was uh like a a sin issue yeah sin issue and that led to me questioning everything based off of the treatment that I received, which I think is how a lot of people's stories start, is they start comparing how other believers are treating them uh, compared to how they were told growing up it should be or told, you know, or what they see in scripture it should be. So I started comparing that and I was like, wow, the God you're telling me about and the way that you act towards me is not at all what I thought Christianity was. And now I'm kind of questioning everything to do with it and kind of experienced went through a period of time where I was very angry at God I left that church went to another one and was like the church is corrupt and I'm seeing a lot of issues with the theologies I hold and I'm seeing I'm wondering what's true and what's not true and like I've always assumed that the way I heard things growing up was absolutely 100% right and I'm wondering if it really is and um, you know it's a time of intense questioning at a time of doubt, a time of wondering if I'm crazy. (laughs) And so for me, the deconstruction was very much taking apart piece by piece. What does scripture have to say about the church, about these pieces of theology and beliefs that I hold? What's true and what isn't? Can I trust this God at all? I did eventually fall into a community where a lot of folks were doing something similar. And that really helped a lot because I was able to grow and question along with them and realize that I was not alone in that. Whereas for where I am today... I was, I am a person who kind of fell back into, um, I went back and took back a lot of, I think, what I initially believed, but with some very core changes and ways of application. And I also don't use the same labels that I used before, before I would have called myself maybe Calvinist and Reformed. I certainly still hold to some elements of those overall systems, but with a whole lot of other stuff thrown in because I think scripture is extremely Varied. Varied. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bigger than I thought. I think my vision of God is much bigger than I thought it was too. And I think my uh, understanding that I don't really understand has been expanded as well. So I'd say that God got a whole lot bigger 
and I did not need to be right anymore at the end of it. <laughs> you fired yourself as God's publicist. Yeah. You weren't his hype guy. That's a good guy. way to put it. Yeah. Exactly. So that's where I ended up. Uh, what about you, Marlene? What's your sort of, what's your tale? With my story, I think we all find a lot of comfort and certainty and safety in there being a box and the box mm. of like everything has a place and everything needs to be in its place. And that's where for a lot of years I was with my faith. I w- started late in the game and <laughs> I was 19 when I became a Christian and that is how I would describe my faith. Everything was perfectly packed away in a beautiful little box. And when I started asking questions in my church There were a lot of people, a lot of good friends who heard my questions and took them seriously and tried to help me answer them, but to match their answers. Mm. There was not a lot of room for growth for the questions I had, for the sneaking suspicions. There was a lot of blank stares, rapid blinking at times. Very rapid. Yeah. Um, Whenever I would bring something up that just kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Rock the boat. And so when a scandal broke in my church, that was the last straw for me with all of these questions I'd had over the years. And I started down a path that really, really freaked me out because God was no longer able to fit in my box. My faith was no longer able to fit in that box. And so I remember reading something from <laughs> my boy, our boy C.S. Lewis. Oh, shout out. <laughs> Even though he's not Miss you, man. Um, <laughs> we love you. Yeah. Um, uh, he wrote in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, this one line that just took out. That's just so... Um, I feel like people have wa- walked over it, but it just like stood out to me one day when Lucy, I think, Lucy or Susan was asking Mr. Beaver about Aslan and if he was safe. And the beaver responded, like, safe? No, he isn't safe, but he's good. Mm. And that's when I realized that he could never fit in my box. He wasn't the safe, perfect, well, he is perfect, but you know what I mean, like, washed down, watered down God that I had always thought he was. And so that... Um, I think took me to the second category of deconstruction we're talking about where I took apart everything that I knew and I put it back together in a way that I think really made sense into who I was learning about God. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you today? Still learning. Mm. But I have read so many stories, read, delved, deeper in description than I've ever like thought was possible, read historical context and other people's testimonies so much so that I believe full heartedly what Sarah Bessie says. Um, she's author of Jesus Feminist and Out of Sorts, that God is much bigger and wilder and more wonderful than we could ever wrap our minds around. I think it's important for those of us who are deconstructing or even those who know people who are deconstructing to understand the importance of listening to each other's experiences and stories uh, because that's where we'll find shared 
uh, similarities and beliefs and community um, and commonalities. And that's, we love that. We love that. Next, I would like to talk about where we can find encouragement for those deconstructing in scripture. And everybody just went, what? What? There's a call in scripture for us to do that, to deconstruct? Fake news. What? I don't believe you. What? Even everybody on all sides is going. And all God's children said, say what? Say what? (laughs) Um, But it's true. If we define. It's true. It's true. I think it's true. Uh, If we define deconstruction as this process of um, questioning our positions, um, questioning systems, questioning our past experiences, um, and wanting to get back to the truth of the matter and wanting to get back to who God really is, I think scripture has a lot to say to that, actually. Because some things that I see among people who deconstruct is um, that gets them in trouble gets us in trouble is questioning leaders that everybody else holds up as maybe all very very great and unquestionable um uh john piper (laughs) sorry sorry. who will remain unnamed i know i know i'll cut that out john piper um we see or what about doubt um what about the call to call out corruption and hypocrisy, often which many churches will kind of try to quell, I think, in people. Uh, we don't want to, you know, no rocking the boat, but I think scripture does call us to rock the boat. Uh, and so let's, let's like take a look at this, you know. I think scripture ultimately is this very open and powerful resource, maybe even our ultimate resource, but we'll talk more about that later. Uh, for those of us who are in the process of deconstructing, and I mean, those outside as well, um, and scripture does speak, as I said, to common themes, emotions, and experiences that may come up during so during it. Uh, the biggest one, I think, is doubt. We're questioning God's character, God's purposes, his even his sovereignty. What's going on? Why is this happening? Um, it may seem like a typical answer, but the book of Job is very helpful because Job was someone who is not afraid to question God. And to yell at God. And he had people telling him, like, it's all your fault. Like, this is happening to you because you just couldn't shut up. And because you did all these things. And Job is, and God kind of comes back around and is like, nope, that's not that's not the answer. And he gives Job a very unexpected answer, which I will not spoil. Uh, so I recommend that because it's very, it's a very raw book. <laughs> very powerful. Um, another one is scripture speaks to calling out corruption and hypocrisy in the church. Marlene. You have Ephesians 5, 6 through 17 for us. Oh, well, yes, I do, sir. Yes. Let me give some fast context for folks. Oh, absolutely. Very important. Paul is addressing the church. This is a letter. Paul is addressing the uh, church in Ephesus and is telling them basically how they are to be acting together as a community. Yep, absolutely. Starting in verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon them, the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. 
<laughs> Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Interesting. Yeah. What do we think of that? Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Let there be light. Oh. <laughs> uh, an alternative verse is 1 John 2, 4 through 6. I'll let our audience take take that into consideration. Um, I have not, I have one now. Uh, another thing is following God rather than a human leader. Um, sometimes we t- tend to, especially in, I think, both of our pasts, it's easy to look to pastors and popular Christian authors and speakers as being the uh, the guiding light. Yeah, the epitome of excellence. <laughs> yes, everything that comes out of their mouth is true and amazing and wonderful and great and grand. And, um, you know, the Bible does actually talk about this. <laughs> oh, so here we go. First uh, Corinthians 3, 4 through 9 says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Dang! I got called out, bro. Y'all got called out. I like how Paul's like, aren't you just being human? Like, aren't you just being silly? Yeah. Aren't you simply being an idiot? And Paul <laughs> takes himself down with it too. Yeah. Which is important because many traditions, I would say, such as the one I came from, I think would have a very Pauline-centric theology that would almost elevate it above Christ's words. You did that thing again where you pronounce things and you say Pauline. I thought it was Pauline. It might be. But like with Augustine and Augustine, you did that thing again. Oh, huh. Or you pronounce things differently. Please tell us in the comments how it's pronounced. <laughs> I just need to be- shout out to episode eight last season, The Lost Apostle, when we're talking about St. Augustine. Augustine. Saint Aug- she says Augustine. I say Augustine. Which I don't I, you say think Augustine. is right. I say Pauline. You say Pauline. I thought it was Pauline, but is it Pauline? I don't know. Are we both wrong? What is English? Please, please, <laughs> please leave us your thoughts. Please, somebody <laughs> come Come save us. Somebody come get her. She's mispronouncing scripture. Ah, oh, that's not in the Bible, though. That's uh, not in the Bible. Cut. I'm just pa- kidding. Pauline is not in the Bible. That's that's heretical. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Paul is. Pauline. 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 Pauline is definitely not in the Bible. Oh. <laughs> but anyways. Oh, no. Anyway. But follow God on. first. Yeah. Moving swiftly on. Moving with, swiftly on. On the wings of the spirit. Anyway. Let's. Is it. Ready to go. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, dang. Oh, oh right. dang. Oh, dang. <laughs> Another way that scripture can speak to us uh, is that, I don't know about you, but during my time that I was very intensely deconstructing uh, and questioning all of it, I it was a time of great affliction. <laughs> I felt very isolated. I felt very alone. I felt very sad. I wondered if I was, if God was really on my side, if he really cared. Uh, if I was ever going to find a church or a home that was going to, uh, that I felt like I was going to belong in, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I'm sure you 
can also speak to some of those emotions. Oh, I can speak. <laughs> did you want me? To, did you want speak. me? Did you want me to give examples? Are we in an interview again? Then speak. <laughs> no, because you feel alone, man. Like you grow up or basically mature mm. into this faith and you think, man, I got all the answers right here. This is the Bible. It's an it's an acronym. Basic instructions before leaving Earth. Earth. You know? Uh. Mm, I got it. And then your life, like, blows the fuck up. And you mm. have, and there's this really wonderful quote I heard in a sermon recently, and I will find it and I will give proper credit, but it was Faith is not the thing that you believe in. Faith is what you still have when all of your beliefs get blown to hell. Mm. And that is, that's what deconstruction was for me. It was very lonely, man. I am an extrovert. I am a four wing three on the Enneagram. Okay, being popular Ooh. is my birthright. Okay? <laughs> I cannot, it was lonely, man. Now you got me. Now I'm triggered. Sarah. <laughs> scripture is a perfect response (laughs) will you please read the scripture that i made you pull up which is second corinthians first oh i'll read the scripture one three through four this is the english standard version bt dubs esv bt dubs um so Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Yes. Is that all the scripture I'm making? No, you're making me read First John, aren't you? I am, but first okay. <laughs> I will read from First Peter 3, 13-17. This one speaks to the call that we have to understand what we believe. So if you're out there and you're wondering, does scripture, does God even want me to understand stuff? Because it sure sounds like every time I try to like really dig into things, I'm discouraged on every level. Well. It's oddly specific. It is oddly specific. (laughs) But very relatable. But very, very relatable. And this is what the Bible has to say. It It says, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Typically, these verses I've seen are typically applied to unbelievers mocking Christians. I would like to expand expand our understanding to include uh, those also who profess to be Christians mocking other Christians. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Dang. So what if I know someone who is deconstructing, but I have not personally deconstructed? What do I do then? I wanted to kind of do something a little different at near the end of this episode and offer some resources for those folks who know people who are deconstructing um, because it's important to be, I think, supportive and helping hands for our brothers and sisters who might be going through that, you know, even if that's not what you're specifically doing right now. 
Um, I think that's very helpful. And there's not a whole lot of resources out there that I've seen specifically for that. So just want to toss it in there. First question I would ask you is, what does it mean to love my brother? Here's a couple things that I came up with. To have patience. Um, to listen. Mm-hmm. To validate and encourage where you can. Mm-hmm. To pray for and with, as you mentioned before. Um, suspend your judgment. Here's This is an interesting one, and I issue with it a challenge, both for those who are watching someone deconstruct and for those who are deconstructing. It is very easy, I think, to see each other in the churches on different sides of a line. Um, and I think it's easy for those who are not deconstructing to look at those who are and say, you know, think kind of subtly, oh, I'm more holy because I'm not questioning and I don't have any doubts or I'm not wavering in my faith. And it might be a temptation on the other side for those of us who are to go, I have this holy crusade and I'm the only one who is finding the right answers and you're just being stubborn and blind and so I'm kind of more holy. Um, and it's not a question or a scale of holiness ultimately. And there's not really a line there either. Um, because at the end of the day, as hard as it is to hear, no matter how wrong each side thinks they are, um, that person who holds some beliefs that may have very much damaged you may very well be right next to you at the trumpet call and vice versa. That person who may have walked away from everything or most things that you had held to may also be right next to you in the new kingdom. And neither of you are going to be able to stop it. And that's a big perspective that I would challenge us to keep here. Because just because you don't agree with somebody doesn't mean that you're not going to be ending up with them for eternity. So (laughs) another question to ask someone who is deconstructing, perhaps. Do you want advice or just someone to listen to you? Because they may have gone through a whole lot of trauma. That's also something to keep in mind. And it can be easy to just go right in with the Bible verses. I know lots of folks came to me with like very pat answers. Uh, Like here's the, here's the right answer. Uh, Romans 8, 28, Uh, read this author, Uh, you know, go Google the gospel coalition, read every article that they've ever published and you'll be fine. (laughs) Oh my God. Yep. Um, But here's the thing. That's, that's, you don't, we don't need to fix anybody. Uh, You are not the one that's going to lead them back into the fold. Sorry to say if, uh, What you can do is do your own research on your own time, be present with them, and you can offer if they ask any resources that you think may be beneficial, but don't be offended if they don't use those resources and don't push those on them. A few things to remember, and I've kind of touched on these, is that God is in control and he will keep and hold your friend and loved one while they deconstruct. That's not your job. Mm -hmm. Um, This doesn't automatically mean they're not a Christian either. You know, God knows the heart ultimately It's better, I think, to give the benefit of the doubt than otherwise. Assume, what is it? What's that phrase? Assume positive Positive intent. intent. Yeah. Love that. Um, Compassion and empathy are not things that you will regret giving at the end of the day. Um, It's okay for you to have boundaries as well. Um, You don't have to fix things and be open to learning and having your horizons be stretched. Even if it's kind of challenging and painful. Expanded. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Ultimately, to our brothers and sisters who are questioning and sorting, deconstructing and reconstructing, um, we see you, you know. You are not alone, and I believe that God will be faithful 
and is faithful. Um, his followers, including me and Marlene, we do not speak for him. You know, I am not the mouth of God. Uh, we hope we say some vaguely correct things every so often. Um, but ultimately, you know, I do not determine and nor does anybody else ultimately speak for, for him. Um, you have to go straight to the source. Um, you are loved, you are not crazy, and there's truth and there is hope to be found. And even if it's a very long, hard road, you have walked faithfully and well up to this point. And I believe he will hold you as you do it. Keep on keeping on. We believe in you. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to leave you with one of my favorite benedictions. Uh, benedictions are for those who are kind of being sent out. And I think that's very, uh, I think that's very important right now. So Romans 8, 38 through 39 says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us or separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, and there, there was, was light. light.